Hello and welcome to the filmpulse.net podcast. This is episode number 111. My name is Adam. With me today we have Kevin. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing alright. How's that nosebleed? It, it seems to be dying down. <laughs> nice. It seems to be dying down. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm getting through it. Nice. Very good. Well, this week we'll be talking about some of what we've been watching before getting into a feature review of Captain America, The Winter Soldier. We'll be getting uh, Film Pulse contributor Ernie Trinidad back on the show for that. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions and DVD and Blu-ray releases. First up, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Now, I have a ton of stuff this week. Oh, jeez. I have a a ton of stuff. Oh, my goodness. I have some great stuff that I saw this week. Uh, But I'll start off with something mediocre. Bad words. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is the uh, directorial debut of Jason Bateman. All right. And uh, I just didn't find it that funny. The 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 story is is very typical. Like I knew exactly how it was going to go down from the very beginning. Yeah. And it it just wasn't that funny. There were there were some funny parts, but overall, it's just a little underwhelmed by it. It's kind of a funny premise, you know. It's a forty-year-old man that that finds a loophole in a spelling bee in the National Spelling Bee and <laughs> becomes a contestant. This and he's is, like, this... he's just such a dick to everyone. He's just a horrible person to all the kids, which is in and of itself pretty funny. Yeah, but it seems like one of those premises that would work better as like a short because it it sounds like it would just run out of steam very quickly. Like, um... I mean, what more can you do with it? Right. It it doesn't really because it starts with him winning like a, a regional and then it's like them traveling and it, and it goes through because the spelling bee is like several days. So it goes through all the different rounds and stuff. And then the like the officials trying to find ways to knock him out and like prevent him from continuing and him battling with the parents and he develops this friendship sort of a sort of a friendship with one of the kids and then it turns into this uh kind of story about him taking this kid under his wing and and showing him you know giving him his first alcohol and showing him his first boob and oh man what and it you know and the kid they learn from each other him (laughs) and the kid learn from each other and the kid, the kid is great. He's he's really funny. Is that Rohan Chan? Yeah, he's an adorable little kid. Um, but I mean, Jason Bateman, it, it's kind of a different role for him because you know normally he plays kind of just a like a lovable guy that's kind of down on his luck, you know. Yeah, he's sort like of, I, he usually plays like the straight guy in comedies. Yeah, like when I when I think of Jason Bateman, I just think of his character from from Arrested Development and. I feel like a lot of his roles are kind of like that, yeah. but this is a completely different role for him. He plays a pretty despicable guy, so that was kind of interesting. But it's—I uh, guess it's a light recommend. Like I wouldn't recommend seeing it in the theaters. It's playing now, uh, but I'd probably wait to see it on Netflix or video on demand. I was actually slightly interested in that one. Yeah, I mean it's—it's it's still a light recommend. Like it's—it's it's just not hilariously funny there are there are a few funny lines like some of the things that he says to the parents are pretty funny because it you know it's r-rated so he he says a lot of really terrible things Hmm. well i remembered one that i forgot to mention last week which is miklos 
Janko's 1966 film, The Roundup, which if you're a fan of Bellatar, then you need to see this guy's movies because this is where you can see that it's a huge influence on the way Bellatar films his movies. And it is black and white. It is about this Hungarian like prison just out in the middle of the Hungarian plain, which looks like nothing. Hmm. It looks like the like the earthly embodiment of purgatory. They just there's numerous times where he'll just, you know, wide angle shot of the surrounding area and there's absolutely nothing. So all these prisoners are sort of locked up in this like stockade type deal. And they're given opportunities to get out of their death sentences, like uh, the one character, and there's not really a central character, they just sort of switch from different prisoners. Uh, The first one is, he admits to killing like six people, okay? So Mm -hmm. they give Mm -hmm. him an out. They tell him if he can go into the, the prison yard and find someone that killed more than six people, they'll let him go. What? And they'll kill they'll and the and then they'll kill the other guy. And the guy believes it. I don't I don't know why the hell he thinks that he's gonna get off for killing six people, but he fucking believes it. So that becomes, you know, his mission. He's he's gotta find someone that's killed more people than him and then he'll be absolved of his crimes. Just completely ignorant to the fact that they're just bullshitting him and they're just gonna kill him and the other guy that he finds. You know, they're just essentially using him as a pawn. But for some reason, he buys into it. And it's just, it's nothing but that, where, like, the prison guards and the authority authority figures just manipulate these prisoners to just essentially hang themselves. Mm. And they just, they they just blindly follow because they they have that, you know, they have that, uh, that sense of hope that they will get out of it. But you know it's not going to happen. Yeah. And there's there's one great scene where they come in and they just have all the prisoners holding onto a rope that's tied at the end. They're just walking around in a circle with bags over their heads, and it just perfectly sums up what the hell's going on here. Is they're just blindly walking in a circle to nothing, <laughs> and they're just all going to die. Now, what I want you to do is is pronounce for me the original title. The original sure. title. Okay. All right. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> you see this? Sigeni Leginyik? I don't know. Just for, for, for our listeners, it's spelled S-Z-E-G-E-N-Y-L-E-G-E-N-Y-E-K. <laughs> See, I don't even know, like, I don't even know where to begin pronouncing. <laughs> no, I like, I don't even know how, how Hungry pronounces any of their letters. Yeah, I don't know. So, it's kind of fun. It's called the Roundup. <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, it's great because it, it has that, uh, I'm a huge fan of the long shot, the long take. Oh, yeah. and the, Me too. That's, that's what he does. Now, in this one, he, you know, they're a little bit shorter. I've read that, you know, in his uh, later works... They get even longer. So I definitely got to check out more of this guy. Well, um, I saw the Phantasm series. I went back and I watched Phantasm 1 through 4. Now you watched the original one, so we can talk about that. Hell yeah. I don't like the Phantasm series. Uh, I don't know how I got it in my head that I liked this (laughs) series, but 
and I saw I saw one and two. I don't think I ever saw three and four. The first one I liked a lot. Right. I think that the first one is is creepy. It's atmospheric. It's weird. It's incredibly surreal. The uh, the dream like sequences I think are great. Oh man, and it's just the, the it's music just so, too. The the music is great. It's just so weird. It's a weird movie, but. I had a, a problem with it because I feel like the very end, you know, the the um, the twist at the end. I feel like that that kind of negated everything that was great about it. It did. So like it did, the end really doesn't make sense. No, because okay, so if you haven't seen or you're not familiar with the series, it's it's about uh, a kid who goes through some significant losses in his life. He loses his parents. He, he loses his brother's friend and then he loses his brother. And it's basically, at least what I took away from it, all the stuff that was happening with the tall man who was the undertaker and all the weird stuff that was happening was kind of his way of, of coping with this loss. Right. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I'm just, it, it was, I, it, I was completely on board. I understood everything that was happening until that, like final sequence and, and like, that's what that whole that's ending what throws scene everything i was just off. like i was just like okay they just threw everything out the window yeah because near the end of the movie and spoiler for a movie that came out in 79 or whatever at the end of the movie it's it's him with reggie and they're sitting by the fire and he's like dude that was all in your head none of that's none of that stuff even happened you know it's just yeah it's you dealing with the loss of your family and then it, it all makes sense. You're just like, okay, it, it, it makes perfect sense that he would, um, you know, manifest the, the undertaker as being the villain. Cause this is the guy that buried his family yeah. and it, and all, all the, all the pieces fall into place. And then there's the scene where he goes up to his room, the tall man shows up and pulls him through a window. And you're just like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> oh my God. And, and if you watch two, three, and four, it gets even more. I was going to say, do they do they explain it at all? <laughs> no, it just it gets weirder and even more confusing. Because like in in the second one, they introduce this girl, and she has like this telepathic link to uh, what's his name, Mike. Okay. And he, and this is like several years later. And he finds the girl, and they they have to escape from the tall man because apparently the tall man wants Mike and the girl. And then there's like another twist at the end where Reggie once again dies. But but then, <laughs> but then the third movie starts with the girl already being dead. So they just threw away that whole plot line. Like okay. the the very opening scene, they you discover that the girl's dead. So it's like. Well, if the tall man wanted her so bad, why did he just kill her? Why, why is she not in the third one at all? And then, of course, in the third one, they show Reggie getting up. Because in the end of the second one, like they, he gets attacked and thrown out of the car. And they make you think that he's dead. Like, he looked like he was fucking dead. <laughs> and in the third one, they just show him getting up off the street and he has like one little cut on his face and he's just fine. He's fine. He's... <laughs> I couldn't help. I, like every time I saw Reggie, I just thought he was Dean Norris. I know he looks exactly <laughs> like Dean Norris. 
<laughs> it just I don't know for whatever reason that just made everything better. <clears throat> yeah, and and they try to inject more humor in the the later ones, almost like an Evil Dead Two style, where yeah. it's there's kind of some slapstick and some funny dialogue. Like I can't even count the number of times Reggie goes, "Oh shit, oh shit." Uh, I love the fact that he's an ice cream man. <laughs> yeah, he's and an I love ice cream. I love when they like bring your truck. You know, when they they killed the first. I don't know what was that an Ewok? They killed well, an Ewok, a, something like that. A Jawa. Jawa, whatever the hell it is. And he brings his he brings his truck. It's like in the middle of the night. I love that he brings his truck, but he also he he dresses up in his ice ice cream man uniform. <laughs> it's like no one no one asked you to do that. Why do you have well, your uniform on? <laughs> I think it was I think it was in the fourth one. It was either the third one or the fourth one. He puts that uniform back on during like a gearing up scene. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Oh, uh, God. There's, it, there's so many great things to it. My favorite scene from Phantasm is the when Mike's walking down the side of the street and Tall Man's coming up the other side. And just the way that they do it in slow-mo and just the way he's walking... And the music mm-hmm. playing, and when he looks over at Mike, oh my God! Love they it. Uh, they call back to that in the later ones, one of the later ones. I love it, and I love the the old uh, the knife ball. Oh, the yeah, you get. I mean, that thing. Knife that ball. thing plays a, a bigger role in the later ones, and you find out more about how those things are made, which is ridiculous. They're <laughs> they extract the brain of their victims and they put them inside the ball. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, Mike's brother, Jody, ends up being in, inside one of those things. Oh, inside one of the balls? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, there's just so many ridiculous... Like, when that ball hits... I don't even know who that guy is. Was he, like, the janitor of the funeral parlor or something? Yeah, yeah, somebody like that. Fucking Caretaker. blood. Blood everywhere. Just yeah. blood spurting everywhere. But there's no blood anywhere. Yeah. Like, it's not on the floor. It's n- It's nowhere to be seen. I don't know where it goes. One thing about the the sequels that that I will give them credit for is the special effects work. Like all the crazy, because it gets a lot crazier in the sequels. Like the ball can do more things, and it there's tons of them, and it, it gets pretty crazy with some of the prosthetic works. Like there's these creatures, and it just gets so wild. I just love the fact that when Mike shows his brother. The finger just jody's How reaction he like he just closes it. he's <laughs> yeah. like well i believe you <laughs> yeah yeah there's little there's little bits of humor that i think really do work in this series i just i wish there was kind of more the the third one is probably the most it's probably the worst one part three but in part three they do introduce uh or no no i guess that's part two sorry they introduce jo- um reggie gets this he takes two shotguns and like tapes them together and makes a quad a quad barrel shotgun that he uses in the series. Yes. So I mean it's they're not good. They don't make any sense whatsoever, but they're fun. That's right. They shouldn't make sense. Yeah. Huh. I mean I love the uh the explanation in the first one when uh why they they turn the corpses into little people i love he's in the parallel universe or whatever it is the different planet or whatever 
He's in there for like two seconds. Yeah. They pull him back out and he immediately knows what's going on. Just by seeing uh, the little people in a line. Yeah. He's like, dude, they're slaves. They have to be crushed down to three feet because of the gravity and the heat. It all makes sense. But it doesn't it's just make like, sense. It's like, I don't understand. How the fuck did you figure that out? You saw him for three seconds. Why are they the slaves? The they're just in a line. Because of the heat and the gravity, dude. They have to be short because of the heat and the gravity. I don't understand. I love it. It's a uh, it's a pretty ridiculous series. One thing that I can say about this series, because my next my next series that I'm tackling is the Puppet Master series, and there's ten of those. Oh Jesus! Yeah. So it's one thing that I can say about Phantasm is that there is sort of it's at least the same writer and director. You know, Don Coscarelli did all of them, and it's largely the same cast. Now in the second one. Mike was played by a different guy, but in the third and fourth, he, it's the same guy. And of course, Angus Grimm as the tall man is the same in all of them. And there is a new one coming out. That that's actually what sparked me to to rewatch the series is that a trailer for the new one called Ravager. Ravager. Yeah, that came out uh, a couple weeks ago. So I'll be checking it out. Maybe it'll <laughs> maybe it'll like tie everything together and make it at least somewhat cohesive oh, that would be amazing if they're able to just pull it all together i don't think they can no it's definitely not gonna happen. <laughs> nothing makes sense in that gonna, series it's not gonna happen i hope it does but it's not going to no it, it, it just gets so crazy and it ridiculous is, it's a great time though such a great time and the whole time i'm watching it i'm like because by the fourth one the tall man has been to like 15 different towns and just wiped out everybody it's like at what point do the authorities get involved in this never you know <laughs> like never is is the is the government not aware that towns are disappearing entire towns and he's been doing this for a long long time and yeah. i just wonder like how many slaves like how many three foot tall slaves do you need for your planet apparently and thousands would, and what do you what are they doing because, like, when they show the planet, it's just there's nothing there but rocks. Yeah. Like, what what are they doing? Why are, why are they in monk robes? I don't know. I, there's so much I don't understand. And the reason, I guess, it, it's discovered that the reason that the tall man is going after Mike is because he wants to turn him into the next tall man. Um, and then, But then, like, in the fourth one, they go back in time, and you get to see what? the origin of the tall man. It's what? so, it's ridiculous, I'm telling you. I don't, it's completely crazy. Yeah, it's great. Yep. What else you got? Uh, I watched Journey to the West. Now, this is not the fun Journey to the West that you're thinking oh, of. It's not, you know, it's not the Stephen Chow one. This is the, this is the one that's like the complete opposite where it's a monk walking as slowly as possible for 56 minutes. Nice. Just, just walking around. And I mean, slow. So he's a Buddhist monk doing walking meditation which i guess brings you enlightenment in some way or another so it's just him walking through bustling city as slowly as possible at one point dennis levant is chasing him but they're both walking as slowly as possible mm. <laughs> outside of a, a cafe yeah, it'd be funny if they put like exciting car chase music to it <laughs> Well, the best part is 
is well, number one on IMDb, Dennis Levant's character is listed as Dragon. Hmm. He never, they, there's no like dialogue or anything. I mean, the film starts off with like five minute close up of Levant's face, just him breathing. I guess he was meditating at the time. So I love the fact that he's named Dragon. But yeah, he's just, they're like chasing each other, and Levant's just trying to do the same thing as the monk. And, you know, the camera's just there, and you just see people buzzing around him. But at one point, there is an old lady that comes up and just stands in front of the shot. Just stands there. And then walks away. And then you see her come back, like, in the distance. And she's just standing there, talking to herself. So immediately, all my attention was diverted to her. Mm. And she was the real star of Journey to the West. Was that old lady talking to herself. Now, is she real? Or is she, was she an actor? Uh, it looks like they're just all real you know they're just doing this and people are just reacting mm, okay so it's like a it's almost like a performance art piece or something pretty much pretty much is um it is i can see what he's going for the buddhist monk and the director what they're trying to say you know being cognizant of what's going on around you but for 56 minutes now he does do some interesting things where he like he shoots the camera into like a reflective ceiling and or he'll be in like a guy's house just <clears throat> focusing on this guy sitting on his couch and there's like a mirror beside him and then all of a sudden you'll see the monk pop up outside like through the reflection so mm-hmm. it it almost turns into this weird art house game of where's waldo where they'll just show you this like scene and then you're just sort of trying to pick out the monk he's not mm-hmm. always like in the front you know front and center he'll just right. sort of like pop into the frame very very slowly and that brings you enlightenment, so do that. Cool. I think we could all use some enlightenment. I guess. I guess he could. I just don't understand <laughs> Buddhist monks. I don't get them. I wish I got them. I wish I was one. But their whole... It, everything they do just doesn't make sense. Like, you just sit around yeah, t- and try and get enlightenment, but they don't like they do not do anything. They well, just some, sit around. Some do. Some don't. Just sit around, trying to get enlightenment. Like, imagine if we all did that. Our society would have died out in like 50 years. Society would crumble. Like from the beginning of time, we would have been extinct in like 50 years. Because we would have all just been sitting around doing nothing, trying to get enlightenment. Yeah. Well, um, I also watched, there's, this is the feature length film, 56 minutes. He did do a short in 2012 called Walker, which was the same guy walking through Hong Kong. And that one was a little funny because the entire time that he's walking through Hong Kong, he has like this this bag with him and you're like what's in the bag and then at the very end it's just like him eating an egg mcmuffin yeah so it's like <laughs> a 26 minute trek through hong kong so he could eat a sandwich that's funny but it is fun because you can because you can watch the the original short the 2012 short walker on vimeo so just grab the little cursor there and just speed it up and watch it in real time and it's like five minutes oh there you go it's fun to do I saw a, a horror film called Proxy, directed by Zach Parker. Now, that name sounds familiar. Scalene. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, same same director that did Scalene. Um, like Scalene, this is was kind of structured in a really interesting way. Not it wasn't it wasn't the same as Scalene, but just the the way that the plot progresses, it's like nothing you would expect it it's really hard and i'm i can't say anything about the movie because 
it's one of those things where it's just best to go in cold. Okay. What I can say is that basically it starts with a woman who is pregnant and she's leaving her her OB after getting her latest ultrasound, making sure the baby's okay and whatever. She gets brutally attacked after leaving the doctor's office and the attacker targets her baby and and kills the baby inside of her and from there it's just about her coping with this loss and she ends up at a support group and she meets someone and it kind of progresses from there but it the way that it the way that it develops it's like nothing you would expect it takes all these weird turns and you're just like okay it feels like you're watching three different movies at once because like it starts as one thing we're following one character then it completely switches and then all of a sudden the main character is someone else and you're just like what is going on here like where's this going Hmm. but that's not a bad thing it's actually a pretty interesting movie and it definitely i wouldn't call it a horror movie it's more of a thriller there's not there's no like supernatural elements or anything like that it's just i would say it's more of a thriller it it does there's some scenes of very graphic and brutal violence but i wouldn't call it a horror movie uh joe swanberg's in it he's plays the, yeah he <clears throat> plays a, he actually plays a pretty big role in it uh but it's just a fucking crazy movie and it's uh beautifully shot. There's there's a there's a particular scene of slow motion in this. Just one scene, but it looks amazing and uh extremely graphic as well. But I definitely recommend it. It's not out yet. It's going to be out sometime this month though. Sometime this month. Yeah, I think that it's it's definitely going to be the type of movie and it it did play some of the festivals. I think it might have been at TIFF or Fantastic Fest. I know it was at Fantastic Fest. I don't know if it premiered there, but uh, it, it's definitely going to be one I feel like it's going to divide people. Like some people are going to really be responsive on how how it plays out, and some people are just going to be like, "What? Why'd they do that?" <laughs> and I wish I could talk to you about it more, but it's it's like one of those things. Like I didn't know anything about it going into it. I knew exactly what i told you i didn't see any trailers or anything like that and i think that that's the best way to see this movie it's just know nothing know nothing about it hmm. interesting i did yeah. i mean i i liked skateline yeah it was, i i think interesting I, yeah i don't know which one of the two i liked more because this is definitely it's definitely different but at the same time it's like i feel like this guy's trying new things like i feel like he's he's trying to make different things which uh you know you have to admire that in this day and age yeah that's true same old same old over and over again but i will say don't don't let the uh don't let the poster fool you because when you look at the poster you think that it's going to be some sort of like the poster looks terrible you think that it's going to be like a body horror movie or mm-hmm. something like it's uh, like inside or to be quite honest, or, or when, seed. when I first saw the poster, I just automatically thought, oh, it's found footage horror. Yeah. It's, I, uh, I don't know why. Yes. Yeah, so, t- <laughs> so don't let the uh, poster fool you. It's it's not really about it. Might it's have not all- it's not a movie all about infanticide. It, it might have been also because it was in your, you know, your diary. 
mm. which it seems like that's all you watch. Like you've been burdened. Not by choice, but re- remember that because my next one, we'll talk I, about Yeah, that. I know you have a couple to get to. Uh, I only have one more to speak of, and that's Morgiana from Jiraj Hers, the director of The Cremator, which I absolutely loved. Talked about before, 10 out of 10, Cremator. Morgiana from 1972, uh, I was excited for it. And a bit of a letdown. I mean, right off the bat, it's a period piece. It's one of those gothic fairy tales. And while the you know the production design and the costume design is on point, I just couldn't really get into the story because of it being a period piece. Plus, also the story itself, the narrative is sort of straightforward, mm. mundane. It's just there's two sisters. Their father dies. The youngest one, who's the good one, gets almost the entire inheritance. While the older one, who's like the evil sister, gets, I think it's like a some sort of cottage or like a hunting lodge or something. That's all she gets. So right from the outset, she just wants to destroy her sister. So she gets herself some poison and poisons her sister. But she, for some reason, gets this poison that works very, very slowly. So like the entire movie, her other sister is dying. It's a very slow-acting poison, which Mm. seems kind of odd. Why would you want to do that? Wouldn't you want it to just be over? Yeah. But the weird thing is, is the older sister then leaves. She poisons her sister, leaves, and goes to the lodge. And she just gets, like, stuck in this fun K-hole of killing people for no reason. Like, they don't do, like, all all of the staff, for some reason, go out and swim in the nearby waters and she just follows them and just gets it in her head that she's going to throw a rock at one of them so like as this woman's getting in the water she just throws this giant rock at her hits her in the back of the head and then just runs off laughing Hmm. but (laughs) i mean it's it's bizarre it's very bizarre the visuals are they're pretty great i mean they do some very interesting things they got this weird dizzying camera work uh, they employ a lot of fisheye lenses. Um, they do a lot of like color filters, like experimental type stuff. When you know the younger sister who's been poisoned, when she's like hallucinating and everything, uh, they actually do. Morgana is the name of the cat, the evil sister's cat, and they'll do point of view camera work from the cat's perspective, which is impressive. Like the first two times that they do it, luckily they only do it like four times, but it gets a little annoying after a while. Mm. So, I mean, for the visuals, it's great. When those interesting artistic visuals are used, when they're not being used, it's just, you know, bland, straightforward, stale cinematography, much like the story itself. But the one interesting thing is, while I was watching this, I thought the sisters were being played by two different people. So when I read the essay that came with it, I found out that they're played by the same actress, which was very impressive because I had no idea. I mm. thought they were two completely different people. So bravo on that front. But Great this, cover. Yeah, I love the cover to it. It's like a Gustav Klimt poster. But I don't know who the woman is because she doesn't look like anyone that's in the movie. It's not one of the sisters or both <laughs> of them? It doesn't look like any of the sisters. <laughs> that's funny. So what is that, like a light recommend? It's like a light recommend. You, I mean, you got to really be into cinematography to 
check this one out because you have to import it. That's the other thing. This is out oh. on second run DVD. So it has to be imported if you want to see it. So you really got to be into cinematography to check this one out. Okay. Uh, I saw found footage horror film. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, God. So this is the third found footage horror film I've seen in the last three weeks. They just keep coming out. I don't know what's going on. They, they keep coming out, and I keep getting them. And, you know... I, I always feel like I'm the one that should take the bullet and, and watch these movies. God bless you. And I will say, uh, the movie's called Afflicted, playing on video on demand right now, and then I think it's playing in select cities also. Oh, I thought you this, were going to talk about the other one. What other one? Uh, <laughs> Alien Abduction? Or did I already yeah, talk about that? I don't know if you talked about That's the one I thought you were going to talk about. No. Uh, uh, Alien is, Abduction. Okay, this is a different one. Yeah. This is wow. the, the third one. Alien Abduction, I don't remember if I talked about that last week. That's I don't terrible. Know. I did want to ask you because I think I actually got like, I've seen good reviews for it. It's terrible. Okay, that's what I thought. But I think I mean, even like on Ebert, they got like three stars. Alien Abduction? I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, they got three stars. Afflicted got two. Well, at any rate, that's, that's wrong. <laughs> Afflicted is incredible. Like I, really? I was so I was so done with the found footage gimmick, like that whole mechanic. I was just completely over with with it. I mean, I've seen so many of these found footage movies, and maybe that's why they gave Alien Abduction uh, a, a like a higher scores because maybe whoever reviewed it hasn't seen eight thousand of these movies. Could be, but with a with Afflicted, it was found footage done right. I mean, they, it looked good. First of all, there was no like fake camera video degradation and stupid little, you know, static or freezing or any of that stuff. But it still felt like it was a documentary that you were watching. Yeah. And the, the main, the two main characters, Derek Lee and Cliff Prowse, they're the, the directors and they were also, they wrote it and they starred in it. And they played themselves. And the they were actually likable characters, which is a that's another big thing that I'm not used to in found footage movies. Like I actually liked these guys. I could relate to them. Uh, when shit goes wrong, I felt empathy for them. And the dialogue was actually quite good. It felt natural. They were they weren't like the best actors in the world, you know, like I wasn't questioning whether or not what I was watching was real or anything, but they did a good job. And the story is uh, pretty interesting as well. It's another movie that you can't really say anything about, like going into it. Gotta yeah. go in cold to this one as well. But the special effects work is second to none in this movie. It is really? so good. Like there were certain effects that they did where I was just like, how did they do that? I mean, I would assume that they used CG, but some of the stuff looked so good. And it, I mean, this is a, a low budget movie, but it, it looked so it looked so good. <laughs> the effects work. Now, um, one thing I wanted to ask, what is it that your wife has in her brain? Is it, is it like a, a cluster of ve uh, blood vessels or something? Yeah, it's called a 
cavernous malformation, like an angioma. I think it, I think they're called an angioma. Because I'm pretty I'm pretty certain that that's what the main character Derek in this movie having, has. Ends up having really. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not the cause of uh, uh, <laughs> the horror, uh, but that that's what. Okay, so like he gets diagnosed. He he starts to get headaches. Goes gets an MRI, and that's what they discover. And I can't remember the technical term that they used in the movie, but they said it was basically like a cluster of blood vessels that are bunched up in his brain and could possibly burst at some point. Do they refer to them as like a a plume of smoke? I don't think so. But I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Could be. There's Um, a whole bunch of different Yeah, it's possible. But at any rate, uh, that's what makes them so he gets diagnosed with this thing and then he decides to live life to the fullest and go with his buddy traveling across the globe they go to like france and italy and go on this worldwide trip and while they're on their trip something very bad happens to him and it kind of screws up their plans in a big way Mm. does he happen to get afflicted with something he gets afflicted with something very <sighs> terrible. Mm. Very terrible. And it's it's awesome. I highly, highly recommend you, it. It's you on, definitely have me intrigued. Yeah. On Video On Demand, again, I thought that it was going to be just a pretty standard found footage body horror movie. But it's it's not. It takes uh, some very interesting turns. And it's got some excellent effects work. There's a lot of... Um, it's really tense. Like there's some chase scenes, uh, and they have they have several cameras that they use, so we get to see a lot of things from from different angles. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they have is a uh, like a chest mount, like a chest harness. And so a lot of the scenes, like there's a couple chase scenes where he has the the camera strapped to his chest, so it's like a POV mm-hmm. type thing, and uh, it looks really good, like it, very effective. So I, I highly recommend this movie. Oh man, I might have to check out Afflicted. Yeah, and I was like, man, part of me. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm Is glad it? that it was. I'm glad that it was good, but at the same time, it's like now there's going to be even more of these found footage movies. Yeah, it's not, it's not over now. <laughs> like, like it would have just been easier if it was terrible, because then I could just be like. You know, I could just stop watching found footage altogether. But now it's like, oh, well, may- the next one that comes out in two weeks, maybe it'll be like as good as Afflicted. Actually, I have one. I have a screener for, for one sitting on my shelf that I have to get to. And I I knew that it was a horror movie. And then I found out yesterday that it was found footage. So I don't know. Actually, I heard that that one's pretty good. It's called The Borderlands. Is it based off the video game? No, I wish it was. I don't I don't know what that's about either, so going in mm. cold on that one. Uh but the the only other thing that I saw was uh Anchorman 2. I finally got to watch that. Now how's that? It was okay. Um I saw the R-rated version, the super whatever uncut R-rated, yeah. supersized R-rated version. So, and I didn't see the like original PG-13 one that was in theaters. So I'm assuming that the one that I saw is completely different. Uh-huh. From what I heard, like all the jokes were changed and everything. Cause you know, everything in that movie was like 
off the cuff. So, yeah. uh, but it was pretty funny. I mean, it's it's just like the first one. It's completely ridiculous, and the things that they say are pretty much all just meant to be quotables. You know, like completely ridiculous. There were some things that that were it was just too much. Like there is this whole love story between Steve Carell and Kristen Wiig. And she plays a character that's just as weird and... Pretty much, pretty much mentally retarded. Yeah, she's the same as Brick. Yeah. And that was... It was just too much. Like, it was just... I don't know. I, I didn't find that very funny. A couple of the things that they said were kind of funny, but... Uh, the the biggest the biggest reason to watch this movie is actually for the, the finale at the end. And I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but it's... If you remember the... F- big fight scene at the end of the first one yes they bring that back and it's it's amazing yes it is so ridiculous that's that's all i want that's that that is the reason to watch this movie i just want because ridiculous absurd humor yeah well they bring in ghosts they bring in mythological creatures yes (laughs) i'm sold i'm sold yeah so yeah i do i do recommend anchorman too it's a laugh riot fantastic all right oh kim do, do you want to discuss one of the worst reviews that i've ever read oh yeah so i saw some <laughs> some tweets and uh people were talking about the entertainment weekly review of under the skin and so i went and checked it out and i read it and i was like oh my god i gotta i gotta forward this to kevin so what and I don't know if you were if you knew about this, but Entertainment Weekly I think switched their format to a community-based website. So like I think that I think that like the u- the reviews and stuff are all like user reviews. Okay. Like I I think basically they're just not paying people anymore. <laughs> and that is so clear with the review of Under the Skin, which it's not even a review. No, it's not. It's it's very interesting. Well, all you, it is, you, I mean, you said to me, and I'm like, okay. I just, I thought it was going to be terrible, and it is. But it's something that I just, I wasn't ready for this. This review. This is not oh. how I thought it was going to go. I thought it was going to be terrible, you know, like in the sense of like Rex Reed, with right. VHS two, or what was the other terrible review I read this year is um, Jeffrey Cheshire's Twelve O'clock Boys review oh, on deeper.com which is sort of the same thing as this but just even more ridiculous i just he doesn't talk about the film at all there's there's one he mentions it in one paragraph the last paragraph, <laughs> the last paragraph. <laughs> all it is so basically the review is just a rant about how big time actors try to do small indie indie movies which makes sense if you're writing an essay about yeah, I mean, actors, post- but even in his rant that he's doing, it sounds like someone that doesn't know cinema at all. Yeah, it's- like you're talking about Scarlett Johansson, like doing indie roles, when it's actually more of a surprise that she's in Marvel movies. Like she's always done indie movies. Yeah, that's where uh, she's think, from. I think the first movie I saw her in was Ghost World. I yeah. think. Yeah. So it's. It's not like it's a huge departure, you know? No. It's so ridiculous to me that this is considered a review. And then I love how they score it, too. C+. Plus. C+. Plus. Like, based on what? The fact based that Based she, on what? 
the fact that she's doing an indie movie, I just, I'm like, I don't get it. I mean, it makes for great reading because it's so, there's just so much to discuss. I know, it, it makes me think, it makes me wonder if the editors at Entertainment Weekly saw the review and they were like, well, this is a piece of shit, but you know what? It's going to generate some traffic. Oh, it's going to generate <laughs> huge amounts of traffic. I mean, it's I've never gone to Enter Entertainment Weekly's website until yesterday. I, I don't know if I have either, actually. I, I tend to avoid sites like but that. But I just, I want to know what he, what he thinks. Like, are, are actors only allowed to be in one camp? Like, they're only allowed to be in commercial Hollywood films? And they're not allowed think, to do anything else? Yeah, I think that if you if you got made it big to the big time, you know, you're in the Marvel movies, you can never do anything. You can never do a movie that's like less than 125 million. That's like a rule now. Well, I mean, they they <laughs> name numerous people. Like he names Johnny Depp for some reason, which doesn't make sense because the only time he's in commercial films is when he's working for the directors that he always works for. You know, like Burton and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you get down to like he brings up like James Franco. I know. Like, what? Why are you? What? I'm more puzzled when James Franco is in a Hollywood movie. Yeah, Homeland, I'm just like, how the fuck did that, that happen? Called? I think it was called Homeland. The fact that he was in that Jason Statham movie that that was more perplexing to me. <laughs> yeah, and like he was the main character in Oz the Great and Powerful. I'm just like, what? Why did they do that? That's I just oh my goodness. But it, another thing to add on top of this that I wanted to ask you about is, did you read Film Comments' review of Interior Leather Bar? No, I, I saw it, but yeah. I, didn't, I didn't actually read it. You gotta read that. I mean, it starts off with asking the question, does James Franco suck dick? Like, oh, no. <laughs> you know what? I did read that. I did read now, that. Now, that's a fucking review. Yes, I did I did read that. I've forgotten, and it, it asks... It keeps asking the question. It keeps alluding to the fact that he sucks dick. <laughs> and then they have to clear it, clear up the point that he physically puts dicks in his mouth and sucks on them. Yeah. Now yes, that, yeah, read that. that's a great review right there. I forget who wrote that, but bravo to them. Yeah, I think that, first of all, Entertainment Weekly shouldn't switch to community-based uh, submissions or whatever the hell they're doing, because that's not a good idea. And if they do, I think that they need to do a better job of, re you know, reading what they're putting up. I mean, come on. That's not a review. <clears throat> no. And that's going to hurt whatever kind of integrity that site has. <laughs> it's Entertainment Weekly. Do they have integrity? They, they do some some decent stuff. Yeah. Like, I, 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 uh, I used to subscribe to Entertainment Weekly. They got some good stuff in there. Yes. But I guess the, the lesson here is... I think it was um, Scott Weinberg, who's a, a critic for FearNet. He said something on Twitter of like, well, at least that this makes real critics look better, you know? Yeah. It, so if, if anything, maybe that's a positive that can be taken from this. Stop reading Entertainment Weekly reviews. Start going to the smaller sites, because that's where the real critics are. Oh, my. All right, let's talk about Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Ernie, thanks for coming back on the show. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing pretty well. So the, this is directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. The synopsis says, Steve Rogers struggles to embrace his role in the modern world and battles a new threat from old history, the Soviet agent known as the Winter Soldier. 
This stars Chris Evans, Samuel L. Jackson, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Redford in this, uh, Anthony Mackie, Kobe Smulders, a bunch of other people as well. Toby Jones back in this. That was a a surprise. I didn't know that he was going to be back. Uh, So I wrote a review for this on the site. So we'll start with you, Ernie. What did you think of Captain America, the Winter Soldier? Um, I loved it a lot. Uh, I consider it the, the best solo film. And I agree, and actually. Probably may even be in terms of filmmaking, story, and everything, it's better than the Avengers. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of heat for the saying that. Event, granted, Avengers was a blast. I had no, I did not expect that movie to be so much fun, but it was a pretty basic storyline. It's like, okay, we got to do it from point A to point B. We got to somehow get these guys together and fight. And they did mm-hmm. it so incredibly well, but it's a very paper thin storyline. But Winter Soldier is—I basically describe it as the Dark Knight of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not to, yeah. not to say it's as good as the Dark Knight, but it's the equivalent in tone of—I should say—of everything in the current Marvel universe, not including the X-Men films or Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. Since obviously the Amazing Spider-Man is going to be in some way tied in with this new universe. But um, it harkens in tone back to like X2 or Spider-Man 2. And it is so heavy on story that like the Dark Knight, it's you got to pay attention. You got to keep up right, or, or right. you're, you're going to miss something. <laughs> it's it's as much a political thriller as it is an action movie. And like you said, there is a ton of story happening here, but they don't sacrifice action for the story because there is a shitload of action in this movie. Yeah. I There's was, a ton. I was not anticipating yeah, I was not anticipating the uh, the fighting style that was going oh, on. That was it was born style mixed with a little raid action here. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to compare it to. I didn't write that in the review, but a lot of the fight scenes felt almost like the raid where it was like this kind of visceral just really fast uh martial arts. Yeah, you, you've never in the previous films never seen Cap in action like this, and, and Evans and company, the stunt team, just just tear it up. And uh, that, yeah, I mean, from that opening sequence on the uh, the the ship, it, it kind of sets the tone for everything that that you're going to be in for, because then you, you really see him in action in this movie, and I feel like this movie more than the Avengers and the the first Captain America really showcase what Steve Rogers can do. Mm-hmm. And he just kicks so much ass in this movie. It's it's a blast. Yeah, he really and, he really comes out as as the you now for Avengers. Everybody's like, yeah, he's the leader. Okay, cool, Cap. But here, he really shows that he really is the leader of the Avengers. So one of the really- things one of the things that I liked the most about this movie was the fact that he was he was really torn in this movie. So like you you got hints of that previously, but. In this movie, it really shows off the fact that, you know, he's he's devoted to his country and he wants to do good for the country while also following orders because he believes in what our country does to protect its people. But all of a sudden, he's he's kind of questioning what's going on with. Uh, I mean, it kind of mirrors exactly what's going on in our world reality with like the NSA and drones and surveillance and all this stuff. And that whole storyline kind of mimics what was actually happening in the comic books 
during the whole Civil War um, arc in the mm. in the comics, mm. and that's what actually brought me back to reading Captain America comic books. And I was never into Captain America as a kid because I thought it, it just, he seemed so cheesy. Right. But this this calls into question like he he begins to question the the government and what's going on, and I feel like that that adds this whole interesting character development with him mm. and also and I, how it uh, nicely ties in with the present where um basically it's questioning of just how far are we willing to go to sacrifice our civil liberties in order to protect ourselves right so, exactly which is like uh like a sound argument and but now it's taken into the marvel universe so without yeah, giving I, without I, giving anything away there's it's a pretty integral point <laughs> so. right yeah and we'll, we will I do want to get into some some spoiler discussion in just a bit, but there are a lot of spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are a lot of spoilers. Now this this one has a very different tone and style and look uh, than the original. There's different directors, and I I got to say that I liked this one more than the original, and I really liked the whole kind of forty style Americana look. Hmm. that the original had. And I can't remember the dude's name that directed the first one, but it was the guy that did The Rocketeer. Uh, remember. Yeah. Um, I don't know why his name escapes me. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't remember. But I like the look of that. And I, and when they first announced the original one and said that it was going to take place during World War II, I was like, that's amazing. I'm totally sold on that. So when they announced, uh, I mean, I knew that the sequel was going to be in modern day, I was kind of apprehensive about that. I was like, eh, I don't know if it's going to be as cool as the original one because the original one took place in World War II. And, but really, it, it's still, I still liked it more. Like, mm-hmm. it just, it looked better. The, it was a much uh, more serious tone, but they also injected plenty of humor into yeah. it. Yeah. And sure. it just, it felt like the most mature of right. the Marvel movies. Right. Also, it helped that they really, really, did some serious character development, not just with Cap, but with uh, um, Natasha Romanoff and uh, Nick right. Fury, and really uh, Nick Fury, especially who's basically just been like just a couple minutes here in each movie, coming out. Okay, here are your orders: do this, do that, do this, yada yada. This one is like you really get into his backstory, and you actually yeah. get to know more about Nick Fury than you ever did out of the entire arc of whatever. How, how many movies has he shown up in? Like eight movies. All of them, <laughs> or something like that. This is the ninth one, I believe. And um, and there's a lot of depth added to uh, Scarlett Johansson's character. Oh yeah, I mean she's given a lot more screen time in this than in all the other Marvel movies, and uh, she she did a great job. I mean I I liked all the scenes with her. I liked uh, I just liked everything about this movie. It was just a, a fun movie. Now I did have some, I did have some hiccups here and there. I saw this at the IMAX in 3D, mm-hmm. and the during some of the action sequences, they used the sh- the shaky cam was like it was too much. Mm. I was like, I was it was really disorienting. And I, if you go see this, if you haven't seen it yet, I would probably recommend avoiding the 3D version. Mm. Yeah, I didn't I don't, see it, I didn't see it in IMAX and like I guess I remember there being shaky cam stuff, but it didn't bother me. But, did you see it in three D? It wasn't three D, but it wasn't in the IMAX three D. It was Okay. So 
Yeah, I mean, it might have just been where I was sitting, and it, but I just I felt like that was too much. Like sometimes I couldn't figure out what was going on, mm-hmm. and I just uh, yeah, I wasn't wasn't into that too much. Yeah, that was um, another thing with uh, knowing what's going on. The Russos did such a great job of um, executing the action scenes because in the action scenes, especially in the in the end, there's like four arcs going on. Mm-hmm. simultaneously and you never lose track of who's doing what and what's going on where where in other hands it would probably be like if it was in michael bay's hands you'd be like throwing your hands in the air like i don't know what's going on here i don't care anymore <laughs> so it was well, like who? one of the, one of the things like for most of the movie the whole time i was thinking wow uh marvel is actually has actually made a movie where they didn't blow up the entire world and then they, they do kind of go there in the finale but for the most part this is exactly what i wanted it to be a small scale marvel action film like it doesn't have to be so giant you know you don't have to level an entire city every time right like make it more contained and you know focus on the fights and the close combat and things like that you can you can make it uh like the plot can be something big, you know, mm-hmm. like in this case, a really giant threat to our security and our, our freedom. But, you know, keep it keep it small scale. This is Captain America that we're talking about, not Superman. Mm-hmm. And for the I think for the most part, they did that. Now, like I said, at the end, it does get pretty uh, CG heavy and grandiose. But uh, for the most part. I thought it was it was great. I wanted to ask you about the villain in this, the Winter Soldier. I don't know. Mm. I, I'm I'm fairly certain everybody knows who he is, but we'll right. just we'll save that for spoilers. What did you think of him as a villain? Um, I thought he was really effective as the villain. I mean, I knew who he was going in because um, uh, not from reading the comic book, but actually watching uh, Avengers Mar. Uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes on on Disney and Netflix. <laughs> so that's mm. that was my introduction to the Avengers, and um, so I knew who he was. But I thought he was done really well and very imposing to the point where I actually was thinking that maybe somebody in the Avengers could get knocked off, or, or some mm. mm-hmm. Avengers character can get knocked because this guy's like the Terminator, basically. <laughs> yeah. So. But but again, he gets into uh, the fights that he gets into with Chris Evans are like phenomenal. The the, the sequence there, the pursuits that they have trying to catch this guy are just pretty much relentless. And um, the uh, the very first encounter that they have on the street that that fight scene uh, was incredible. I mean the the way it was choreographed, how it was like a knife fight, and it it looked so good. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, I was questioning the Winter Soldier because it, he looks kind of weird, and I didn't really like the way he looked in this with the long, straggly hair and the weird mask and that type of thing. But yeah. it, it worked out. And the interesting thing about this is he's not in it that much. Like he's yeah, he's only one of the, in maybe not even half, maybe yeah, he's, uh, a quarter. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's a he's a Darth Maul type character. Where they they bring him out several times, but he's not like the big bad villain that they're going after through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He's more like a henchman, 
than anything. Right, right. And uh, now what did you think of Anthony Mackie as Falcon, the newest uh, Marvel hero to be introduced? Um, I liked him. He, he was uh, pretty entertaining. He had some good chemistry going with uh, Chris Evans and, and even Scarlett Johansson. Um, I'm glad that they took the character and made, made him more grounded and not like gave him a suit and then he was flying around and in like a, I guess it was a red and white Falcon suit. <laughs> yeah. And, and instead it was more military based weapon, which was like really cool that they did it that way. Yeah. It was, it was basically like a jet pack that he wore yeah, with, with guns with, with that wings. pop out. <laughs> yeah. Those, those guns were awesome. I liked him. I, I thought that he was funny. I liked the, the introduction scene where they're, where they're running <laughs> the on your left. Yeah. <laughs> See, I liked that. I thought that was good. And I, I think that he's a, a welcome addition to the Avengers crew. I mean, I'm assuming that he's going to be in the Avengers. Or at some point. Or at the very least, Cap 3, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would assume so. Um, any any other general thoughts before we jump um, into spoilers? Say, talk about Robert Redford. I mean, probably the most prolific actor yeah it was it was kind of weird to, to see him movies. in this but he he went all out it didn't seem like he was going he's like hey i'm robert Redford. i'm in a marvel movie he's like oh he totally inhabited the role of uh, alexander pearson you bought him as the leader uh, or the uh head of security or whatever what position mm-hmm. was he was he, was he like the top brass and shield or was he like i, uh, I guess the, of, i don't head of security yeah. for NSA or something but, I was well, never he, really clear. So, yeah, he's the, he's the top, and you can totally buy. Yeah, I can see him as the as the man in charge. One, one so, yeah, he was yeah. actually really good. It was like really cool. Yeah, he was he was good. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of screen time, but he was in it enough to you know give his Robert Redford presence and mm-hmm. a- add to the movie. So I think that he was he was good in it. It was, it was still weird. Like, it was weird to see Robert Redford in a Marvel movie, though. Well, it just goes to show Marvel's really getting serious that they're casting the right people. Like, stunt casting, like... Right. Other brands. Yeah. And I guess I should mention, I thought that Chris Evans was, once again, really good as Captain America. I I thought that this... I was just... I enjoyed seeing him do his thing more in this one mm-hmm. than in the original one and the Avengers also. I thought that he was pretty, pretty great in it as well. Oh yeah. He had more dimensionality to him in this one. There was more, more to the character than just a leader. And then the first one was the origin story and all that out of the way. It was definitely more interesting to see how a 95 year old person <laughs> would yeah. adjust, adjust the modern world when they missed like 70 years of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like how he had a little notepad that he kept things in to look up. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Uh, all right, let's jump into some spoilers. Uh, so we'll we'll mark the time code in the show notes here. So if you haven't seen it yet, you can just skip over this part. Um, spoilers for Captain America. I guess uh, the, the plot itself is kind of a, a big spoiler that we can discuss. So basically, by the end of the movie, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. has been dismantled because hydra it's it's discovered that hydra has infiltrated shield from the very beginning and they've been planning this big uh, event where they kill a whole bunch of people and put these giant warships in the air in order to protect people what i wasn't sure of is why they 
wanted to kill all the people initially. They were going to kill like 1.2 million people. It was, I think it was almost an allusion to Hitler's plot of just wiping out an entire society. But like, That's... but here they're just like really focusing on is like, what's what's taking out a few few million in order to save 75 billion. We'll just yeah, but take I just out, didn't understand. I didn't understand what like by taking out the, those million people, how's that going to save? They're taking out well in Hydra's eyes. They're taking out the million people that could cause a threat to Hydra in the future. Yeah, and I just didn't in order to I, save the seventy-five. I don't know why they would think saving the other seventy-five billion when essentially they'd be enslaving the other seventy-five billion. Right. But, yeah. So I, I didn't really get that. But by the end, Shield has been dismantled. Like Shield is no more, right? Or as it was originally. So I'm sure there's got to be something out there. Because well, th- that's not, what I'm not wondering. The, not the TV show continue. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm wondering. How this is going to tie in with the TV show? Because Agent Sitwell, who it turns out is a Hydra agent, it's yeah. revealed in in this one. So, he's in the TV show. Yeah, he was in the last episode before Cap came out. So I'm like, okay, how's this going to get answered? in next week's episode yeah and they i read that they're gonna they're gonna tie it in but i just don't i feel like that they have to tread very lightly with Mm -hmm. that because you're dealing with spoilers in a movie yeah you know in in a tv show Yeah, that even though the movie made 96 million there's still people who probably still watch shield who haven't seen captain america yet but go figure they just need to put a disclaimer yeah yeah. If you haven't seen Captain America, avoid this week's show. But it was, they wouldn't uh, do I, that. Yeah, yeah. But again, it was interesting how they tied tied in Shield's collapse into uh, into present day with things like WikiLeaks and uh, Snowden and and uh, how, oh yeah, uh, all the transparency and and uh, yeah, I thought that was great. And that's that's what they're they're doing in the comic book as well, which is is uh, is really cool. Now I haven't read the Winter Soldier story arc in the comic book the i believe it was written by ed Brubaker. Mm-hmm. i never read that so i can't say how closely this goes along with that right but you know bucky barnes is the winter soldier and i he eventually becomes captain america for a time yeah i don't think he is anymore but after the whole civil war fallout where yeah, captain america gets killed uh bucky takes the mantle and becomes captain america so i mean it's it's possible in the cinematic universe that we Mm -hmm. could see the winter soldier becoming a good guy yeah yeah from what i understand sebastian shaw uh who plays bucky and winter soldier has actually been signed for nine pictures oh really so there's a possibility down the road that if chris evans says i'm done they'll just probably hand over the mantle to him (laughs) but uh and they could easily do that because that that fits in with the comic books as well like Captain America can be several different people. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to just be Steve Rogers. And, you know, the the only the only difference that I remember in the comic book is that uh Bucky uses guns. Mm. Whereas Cap only has the shield. Right. And uh that shield was uh, put to pretty effective use in this one for the first time. Yeah, the the oh man. That stuff was awesome. I mean, even though it didn't make any kind of like <laughs> any sense at all how it's like a a boomerang shield yeah how it just (laughs) autumn somehow automatically just comes right back to him every single time (laughs) defies the laws of physics but why why quibble it was cool 
<laughs> yeah, uh, uh, there were there were other logic problems that you have to kind of get past, and there was some there was some cheesy dialogue and some cheesy camera shots in this, but mm-hmm. you know you just gotta keep telling yourself this is a comic book movie, and I think that that's kind of the the issue that the Marvel films run into is that they've up until now. Uh, or up until recently with the, the Thor movies, they've all been kind of grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. And so when you see fantastical things, it's it's harder to just give it a pass, especially in a Captain America movie right. where there's no like mystical powers, you know, yeah. at work. So when you see Captain America throw his shield into a jet and then jump onto it and, <laughs> and take it down, it's... Mm-hmm. It it can be kind of hard, but I mean, you just got to tell yourself this is a comic book movie. Yeah. Get over it. Well, if, if if something from like Asgardia or something just popped into this movie, it'll probably take you out of the movie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what's this doing in here? It's like we don't need no, we don't need Thor go away. <laughs> um, now, did you did you know that Redford was going to be a bad guy? Did you know that he was going to be the villain? Initially, no, but as the movie was progressing, I was beginning to suspect that he was the uh, the one pulling the strings. Yeah. I, I had a feeling, and then from... I started to love the fact that it's like he was playing totally playing against type. Redford is always the the, mm-hmm. uh, the good guy, the the guy who breaks the conspiracy. The uh, and then he it turns out he's the one who's like causing the conspiracy and yeah, yeah. W- willing to take millions of people out in the process. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I didn't even know that Hydra was going to be involved in this one, so it was yeah. I love kind of... I love the fact that because new Hydra was just an over the top. The villain like cobra like mm-hmm. you know, like how is cobra gonna work and and in the gi joe movies it, it really didn't work with cobra no it was just just too ridiculous and here i was like how is hydra gonna work it's gonna be too crazy to have guys running around in green suits painted with octopi on their heads and stuff right and but it they handle it really well that it's actually a underground subversive infiltrating terrorist organization that that will get at you without you even knowing it <laughs> Yeah, it was like a it was like an Illuminati type thing. They yeah, were, it was like everybody pulling the strings was this, these like white collar rich businessmen. I, you know? Yeah, and I love the fact that they're saying that they've been doing this for the since the beginning, since since Captain America, the first Avenger, and just slowly infiltrating Shield, and then it just puts in the question into all these characters of Shield and whatnot that you fell in love with is like all this time up to this point they've technically been. While they think they've been serving the better good, they've been working for the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, and I actually liked Agent Sitwell. I thought that he was he was an interesting character. And yeah. not only did they prove that he was a bad guy, but they killed him in this mm-hmm. movie. So and other really... other characters that were in like previous films, like Gar- uh, uh, what's his name, um, Gary Shandling. Oh he, yeah, he Gary was, Shandling, he was the congressman or senate. Senator mm-hmm. from Iron Man Two, I guess. Who I think so. Who, who was uh, who demanded to have the uh, Iron Man program turned over, and then it turns out that he was a supporter of Hydra. Yep. <laughs> so I was like, even into the government, Hydra is infiltrating the uh, the uh, system. So. And and as much as I love the action sequences in this movie, I I like that whole the political stuff even more. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was so cool to to see all that stuff and uh really surprising i didn't think that they would go there with it and mm-hmm. i was glad that they did um 
Got to talk about Stan Lee's cameo. One of the better yeah. ones. Yeah, definitely. That was a pretty entertaining one. He was a, a guard at the Smithsonian, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was pretty funny. And I, uh, I, which... I love that part. And actually, those were deleted scenes from the Avengers. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the, uh, the Smithsonian and uh, the reintroduction to uh, Carter. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. And, uh, I remember that. And they decided to just put that into Avenger, uh, Captain 2. So I was like, oh, cool. Because I didn't even I didn't realize she was it. I'm like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a deleted scene. Yeah, and um, the uh, the other thing I wanted to mention did you did you pick up on the Doctor Strange reference when they mentioned Doctor Strange? Yeah, yeah, and um, I guess uh, second view I'm gonna have to pay even closer attention and uh, to listen to what else they mentioned, and also during the scene where they're targeting uh, all the targets in the uh, tri-state area, one of them is actually on the Avengers building, the former Tony Stark building. So oh. notice that. So I was like, oh. So, well, while we're talking about uh, little Easter eggs, we I guess we can talk about the the stinger at the end. Which are there were two. Uh, so. There were two. I yeah. didn't stay for the second they one. Didn't. Yeah, you got to learn lesson now. There, there are two. <laughs> like, I yeah, you know but, I thought yeah. I thought I had a feeling that there was going to be two, but usually the second one is just like a throwaway thing. Was mm. it just a throwaway thing? No, so it wasn't that. Not a throwaway. It was um, at the end. Uh, Bucky uh, shows up at the Smithsonian. And, oh, uh, and, okay. And it looks like he, he's not, he's just wearing civilian clothes. He's hiding the fact that he's the Winter Soldier. And then he was just standing in front of the, uh, the display. Well, that's how he gets. Yeah, the yeah, so display for Bucky Barnes and listening to the, uh, the narrator like tell the tale of Steve. Oh, uh, okay. And so that's, that's probably how he gets deprogrammed. Or or that's just the beginning of him trying to figure out who he is. Could be. Uh, I really like that character, so I'm excited to see more. Uh, the first Stinger is a really good one, directed by Joss Whedon, I read. Yeah, definitely more effective than the one that ended Thor 2. So. Oh, that, I didn't really... Yeah, the Thor 2 one I wasn't all about, but this one is definitely worth staying for because uh, it's pretty long. It was, yeah. it was surprisingly long. And it introduces uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Was that? Yep. Yep. And and Baron von Strucker, I think his name is, or something to that effect. Yeah. Who so, I who yeah. I did not know is going to be a villain in the next movie or two. I'm like, so I guess he's going to show up in Age of Ultron. Yeah. So that's that was pretty exciting. Got a first look at uh, I don't who's I don't know who's playing Quicksilver. Uh, Quicksilver is because uh, I know that the, he was in Kick Ass. He's in Godzilla. He's got a three three name name. I can't remember. Oh, Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even recognize him in that, but I did recognize Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen as mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch. Right, and I had to ask a friend of mine. It's because I remember the characters from. First mightiest, but then he gave me the quick details. It's like, yeah, they started out as bad guys, and then they eventually joined the Avengers. It's like, oh, okay. Well, isn't uh, isn't Quicksilver Magneto's son? They're both are. They're they're, bo- they're well, yeah, they're twins. But they obviously can't say that because that character belongs to Fox. <laughs> so. Which is interesting because Quicksilver is also going to be in the new X Men movie, Days of Future Past. Yeah, I, I don't know what they did, but they said they can do it. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I mean, who knows how that how that all is like who owns what? Because when you look at the Marvel 
canon, there's a ton of characters that cross over into different things. And uh, I think Quicksilver is an X-Men character, but Mm. maybe they didn't, maybe Fox didn't get the exclusive rights to that character or something. I think it was, it was like trading day where uh, we're basically, okay, we'll give you this and you can have this part time while you, you take this. Because I think that's how the deal went down. Where you guys keep Fantastic Four, we get, we get Daredevil, this and this, and then, and then okay, then you can keep these characters from the Fantastic Four universe while we get this. Yeah, I don't know how that all, how that's gonna work out, but either way, I mean, um, more characters are good for sure. Like I, I, I like to see that they're adding more characters, keeping it fresh. But at the same time, I'm, I'm always worried that. If you add too many characters, it's going to turn into an X3 situation where there's mm-hmm. just, there's too much, there's too many of them. Or even X3, mm-hmm. like, Sp- like X3, Spider-Man 3. <laughs> yeah, when they just add too many characters yeah. and you're just like, all right. Yeah, but like this- movies like The Avengers and, and uh, Winter Soldier, that if you get the right writers who can balance all these characters and villains and not be a waste or just like overkill then 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 it'll work i mean obviously it's when avengers 3 comes out which assuming will be when thanos comes into play that's probably gonna end up being the biggest avengers movie that they're gonna have so many freaking characters in that that's (laughs) yeah and plus plus uh think about the fact that we have the netflix uh Mm. characters now so we're gonna have daredevil iron fist luke cage yeah. Uh, what was the? Uh, it was a woman. Yeah, I know. She's a she's like a shield agent, I think, right? Probably. I can't remember. I can't. Uh, yeah, remember we got all either. that. But um, Kevin Feige he said that he's got a blueprint on his wall that kind of lays out the Marvel universe through 2028. <laughs> yeah, I read that. That's which is crazy. So obviously, there's going to be like like points where it's going to have to divert because maybe something doesn't work, but they have the Obviously, they have the abilities to just like, okay, we did this. Well, what the hell? Let's 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 redo Howard the Duck. <laughs> well, that, I mean, but that's that's really what they need to do, though. Like, that's the smart thing to do is to lay out the continuity and make sure that it all fits together. Because if they have a a blueprint that that lines everything up, you won't run into these issues where they write themselves into a wall and they have to retcon things and mm-hmm. you know do stuff like that. Like, uh, so I think that it's a good idea to have everything laid out figure out where each thing is going because it's getting complicated. You have a TV show. You're going to have all these, these Netflix series. You have the movies. I mean, it's just going to get really complicated. So they need to be covering all their bases. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they all end up like Captain America, the winter soldier, I think that that's a, it's a pretty damn good. uh, They're doing the right thing at this point. All right. Well, I'm guessing that this will be the last dark um, phase two movie. Because uh, all three of them are mm-hmm. pretty dark, but uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, is going to lighten it up, and then uh, they're just going to knock you out of the park in the next Avengers. <laughs> yeah. So, oh well. Any other uh, spoilers before we get out of this? Um, I guess a couple. One of the big one, the funniest one for me, at least, was with the reintroduction of Toby Jones. Oh yeah, and <laughs> um, the that, computer. I mean, it's great that it takes a warehouse, an underground warehouse of data banks to hold one consciousness i thought that was hilarious and then all all that can all just be transferred into a usb mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. um when i saw the piece i'm like like 
assume this was written before Transcendence. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I thought it was kind of funny. I like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe Transcendence did the punch. <laughs> one, other, one other quibble I had was the uh, when he went to visit the old version of, uh, of what's her name? Um, uh, Carter. I can't remember, Carter? Can't remember, can't remember his first Pe- name. Peggy Carter? Yeah, Peggy Carter. The like they CG'd her her whole face, and I don't know if you noticed that. Wasn't CG? Wasn't makeup? Yeah, it it looked like it was a, a blend, but when she talked, like her her mouth movements looked like CG, and it really bothered me. And I don't know why they did that. Hmm. But that's just a little nitpick. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and hop out of this spoiler section. So we're back now. I wanted to just quickly get your thoughts on. Because we, we were talking in the spoiler section about, you know, where Marvel's going from here and how this is probably going to be the last dark um, entry in phase two. Now, how do you think that this is all going to fit in with Guardians of the Galaxy? Are you excited for Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, Guardians, when I first heard about it, was like a question mark for me. I didn't know how they were going to pull that off because obviously the hang up is you got a talking raccoon. <laughs> So that, yeah, so that was like, like, okay, it took me a little bit to accept Thor. So I'm like, now you got a talking tree and a talking raccoon. But then thanks to the uh, Earth's Mightiest uh, animated series, I that's the first time I saw the characters. I'm like, oh, okay, I can I can, I can, can buy into this. No problem. So I'm, I'm looking forward uh, from the, the teaser trailer that they show, and I'm looking forward to for the movie because it just the tone is just right. just looks like it's going to be a funny, fun action sci-fi film but as it ties into the current phase two i'm guessing not too much probably until the end credits or something yep i think uh, i think that that's exactly what it'll be i think it'll tie in at the very end because it's obviously taking place on another planet but um but it's just like i don't see them like crossing universes just yet so i figured there's got to be some sort of tie-in at the end or during the post-credit sequence or something yeah i think it looks hilarious uh, every time i see the the teaser it makes me laugh and uh i'm i'm really excited for it i was a little hesitant at first too and i was like what are they gonna do here because it's like i think I'm, i mentioned it in my review for captain america it's this is they're they're nine movies in now mm-hmm. it, like it doesn't seem like they're they're that many but there's nine of these they gotta have a misstep somewhere soon you know because yeah. Remember, I remember back in the day when I was a kid, I longed for comic book movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I would talk about how they should do this or that, and then, like, comic book movies started coming out. I remember when X-Men first came out, I was like, my mind was blown. And then they started getting bad, and they were all bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were all just a complete train wreck. But then, yeah. like, when Marvel Studios started putting out, like, Iron Man and, and Thor and Captain America, it's like holy shit, these are good. Like, these are good movies, and they're doing exactly what the fans wanted them to do from the very beginning. And it's like, how long can this last? (laughs) Because it it seems like everyone they come out with is is a hit. And I never would have thought that this would have been better than the first one, and it was. And it turned turned out that The Winter Soldier was probably the best Marvel movie yet. I'm willing to bet that probably we won't see that until they've reached the point where major cast members saying they're they're ready to hang it up and then they either got to recast or take the story into another phase of the comic books like 
like switching like somebody takes over like uh like saying batman like batman goes down Azrael takes over or something like that so um or stuff like that but it's so far so good i mean right now it's like they're really like marvel is the pinnacle of the the comic book movies and all dc can do now is catch up so which which brings up an interesting point is that captain america 3 is supposed to open may 6 2016 which is now the same day that the man of steel sequel is supposed to right yeah so i'm thinking that based on the opening grosses and how damn good this movie was i think dc's gonna flinch (laughs) i think that they'll somebody's going to change yeah, release cause, date because right that. right now for me the one i want to see if the two open the same day the one i want to see first was cap yeah because i have no faith in batman versus superman no not even that i mean i want to see it but when captain america 2 ends i'm like that we gotta wait until captain america 3 to resolve the storyline like but we got avengers 2 what do we, we got to get through avengers 2 to get to the end of <laughs> to continue this storyline it's like i was uh joking that it was like Wait, Cap, I, th- I thought you were uh, off doing on your mission. It's like, oh, wait, this seems more important. I'll help you guys. Then I'll go back to my mission. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm. So the, next, so the next Marvel movie we have is Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the summer? Yeah, August, first week of August, I believe. Yeah, I think it's like August 4th or something. Yeah. And then uh, after that, we don't have anything till, till, yeah, till Avengers. Yeah. So, and then we got Age of Ultron in May. Then Man, I think a, Ant, long... I think Ant Man is end of the summer. Didn't they? Uh, they just reported that I think that they said that they're going to start doing three Marvel movies a year. Is that? Did you read that? Yes, I think I did something like that. So, so they're gonna they're gonna start picking up the pace here. Which yeah. you know, as long as they keep this momentum going, and I think that a big part of it is who they choose to write and direct these movies. Right. Like I think that they learn from what the mistakes that that they and other studios like Warner brothers made in the past where they, before it was like, okay, the, the name alone, the franchise alone will sell tickets. And I mm-hmm. think that that's how they looked at things previously. So they're just like, okay, we can get whoever we can get Brett Ratner. We can get just a jobber to come in and direct this movie because it's going to direct itself. People are going to go see it no matter what. And I think that when Marvel studios came around, they're like, you know what? We, we want to get, we want to take some risks with, the filmmakers, the directors we want to get somebody new. So, you know, they pull in John Favreau or James Gunn for guardians of the galaxy who, you know, I like James Gunn. He did slither, which is like one of my favorite horror comedies mm-hmm. out there. And I think that getting him is like a really interesting choice, but it also looks like he's bringing his unique voice to that movie too. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited for what Marvel has, and, and I'm just wondering if there's ever going to be a point where I just am completely on board with everything they do and am never hesitant about how the movie's going to be. Because even though we're nine movies in, I liked all of them, even Iron Man 2 and the Hulk. Mm-hmm. But every time there's one that comes out, like Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm still a little apprehensive, you know? Like right. I'm wondering if there's ever going to be a point where I'm just flat out on board from from the beginning right right because i feel like the the what they're doing is it's not typical you know just from the very beginning making an iron man movie a captain america movie those aren't i mean at the time those weren't like top tier characters you know it's not wolverine or spider-man so i think that it's 
they're doing it really interesting things and I'm really excited to see what they got coming out next and uh and for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah. But I think the people like like Kevin who just flat out refuses to see this movie, I think that they're they're doing themselves a disservice that they just write these movies off as being, you know, generic comic book yeah. claptrap. I well, think that that's uh, a mistake. Winter Soldier's like Dark Knight where you don't really need to be a comic book fan or even a, a Captain America fan yeah. to, to like the movie. I mean, it would help to watch First Avenger, but uh, you can piece it all together pretty well without seeing yeah. any of them. Absolutely. So, big, highly recommend it. Uh, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Ernie, what did you, what are you going to give Captain America? I gave it a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. Very good. All right. Go see it. It's in theaters now. Ernie, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to talk with me. You're quite welcome. All right. Let's go over some predictions. Uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, that was the only one we predicted last week. You said 82. I said 84. Actual 89. Hmm. Next week, we have Rio 2. I didn't know that there was a Rio. You didn't know about Rio? Uh-uh. I just, I, I, yeah, I learned that like last week. I got a, a, a giant art book in the mail for about, Rio 2. For, for Rio 2? Yeah. <laughs> didn't even open it. Okay. I never saw the first one, and I don't plan on seeing this one. That's weird that they would have an art book for Rio. Yeah. The art of Rio. Which is the movie. Which is the movie. I wonder if they specify that on the cover. I should look. Oh, my. What are you thinking on Rio 2? Rio 2. Uh, 62. Something tells me that this is going to be pretty well received for some reason. So I'll say like 68. Um, I don't know if this is going to be in wide release. I hope it is because this is one that I really wanted to see and i've had multiple opportunities to see it and i just keep missing it for whatever reason and that's oculus uh this i think it premiered at tiff maybe yeah i mean i and when it was reviews were coming out uh at the festivals i was getting pretty excited for this one yeah i really want to see this but, um, now, but now i'm not sure because seeing the trailers and stuff I'm just yeah, the trailers uh, they're, they're not great trailers no, are not great no uh but it, it I think it does have a score on Rotten Tomatoes right now, and I think it's, like, extremely high. I'm looking at it right now. It's 100%. <laughs> so, how many how many uh, critics on that? Uh, it looks like you've got uh, 10, 10 critics. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Usually, if it's at 100, it's, like, 3. Yeah. It's still going to drop, though, so I'll say 76. Hmm, I'm going to say 74. People just don't like horror movies. They just... They love to hate horror movies. <clears throat> well, it's easy. I will say that. It is very easy. Because, I, I mean, just it looks interesting, but it also looks like it could, go, it could go down that well-worn path. It could. I don't know. We'll have to I'm just, see. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm hoping it doesn't. I'm really hoping it doesn't. Yeah, me too. Draft day. Oh, God. <laughs> Draft day. What are you thinking on this? Um... I'm hoping for a zero, to be quite honest. This is, I don't understand why this exists. Who yeah. thought that this was a good idea? Uh, Let's get excited about that NFL draft. Let's dramatize the NFL draft and the Cleveland Browns. Give You're me predicting a fucking is... break. Zero. I'm going zero. zero. I'll say 20. 
20. Who, who is this? Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman. Fucking Manila Folder Extraordinaire. He's had some no, great yeah, movies not. in the past. Yeah. Uh, Railway Man. I'm not too interested in this one. I'll say... Oh, I don't know, though. Because it, it could turn out to be one of those, like, Oscar Beatty type movies. Yeah, this looks like it could be... Um, what was that? The Intouchables or whatever? What was that French movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll say... But see, Colin Firth, it's like he's he's a mixed bag. Sometimes he'll come out with something amazing, and then other times he'll come out with like he t- a straight to DVD. He does you know? do a lot of straight to DVD work. It's it's really weird. Like he'll come out with uh, <laughs> King Speed, Tinker yeah, Taylor, King- and then Arthur Newman slapped yeah. right in there. I don't understand. Oh, I'll say. F- uh, I don't know, 60. I'm going to say 54. Maybe he has like a gambling addiction or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Don't know what that is. Uh, also in limited release, we have Only Lovers Left Alive, which we reviewed a couple weeks ago. So go back and check that out to hear our thoughts. Joe, um, I was able to see that at South By. Loved it. Excited uh, for that yeah, you can read my full review on the site for that one. Cuban Fury, which is the salsa comedy with Nick Frost and Chris O'Dowd. Looks like it could be funny. I think Rashida Jones is in it as well. And Jesus People is finally getting limited release. I will have a review up for that. I've just been stalling on writing it. Jesus People. Uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases next week. We have August Osage County. I don't recommend it. No. Nah. Mm-hmm. Best Night Ever. Do not recommend that. What? I wrote a scathing review of that, I believe. Oof. That's the one that's directed by the guys who did, like, epic movie. Oh, and yes, that's right. Movie oh, and God. It's really bad. It's it's, it's like a hangover. It's a found footage hangover. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus, a, people. Uh, also, Grudge Match, which I heard pretty bad things about. Oh, the Hobbit, Desolation of Smaug. I forgot about Grudge Match. Oh. Yeah, that was not well received. I wonder why. Because it why. looks terrible. Uh, Nurse 3D, which I did not like. A lot of people like that one for some reason. But I just could not get behind that one. Uh, Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. Got some classic found footage horror there. <laughs> we need to just change this podcast to Found Footage Weekly. That's going to be the name. Found Footage Weekly. Oh, God. We The sad thing is, is we wouldn't run out of material. No, no. You could keep that show going. For I mean, I can, gar- I can absolutely guarantee that there will be, I will be talking about a Found Footage horror next week. Good so God. I Am Divine also comes out. I, I definitely recommend yeah. that one. No, I recommend that one. Yep. A Field in England comes out. Ben Wheatley's uh, trippy period piece. That's definitely not for everyone, but it looks amazing and it sounds amazing. So if you're into sound design and cinematography, check it. I want want to see that one. Uh, We also have Holy Ghost People and Zero Charisma. Mm. Definitely recommend Zero Charisma. I want to watch that again, actually. I also recommend that one. Holy Ghost People, not so much. No, not, no. Uh, Unless you want to see the worst effects with someone getting hit with rocks. (laughs) Oh my god, I uh, hope someone puts that up on YouTube. 
That's it. And it's one of those mind-blowing things where you just... That's one of those practical effects that can be done so easily. I know. I just... Would, I don't remember how it. you were you were saying that you regretted your lo- Loves Her Gun review? <laughs> well... <laughs> Ah, uh, that one's in your... Oh, the yeah. Old, the old regret. I'm filled with regret on that one. It does start out good, though. I will I will give it that. It's, it's got a good premise. Yeah. I mean, someone can make a really good movie with that premise. But, man, CGI rocks being thrown at someone's face. Let's <laughs> just leave it at that. Uh, Fuck's sake. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's at least one criterion coming out. There's right? one criterion, and it's a big criterion. It's one of the first ones they ever put out, but it, now it's coming out on the old Blu-ray, and that's the 400 Blows from Truffaut. His first feature, which uh, yeah blew up the uh, French New Wave there, which I was not that uh, impressed when I saw this, but maybe I'll wa- rewatch it. I don't think I've seen that one. Just I, I don't know. Just wasn't that impressed by it. Hmm. All right. Any uh, any other ones that I missed? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's it. Okay. Well, I think that'll wrap it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Send your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net, and we'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, and be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name's Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches Movie. Is he going to be in good shape, tip-top shape?